Hello, and welcome to episode 206 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Andrew Cranky, creator of Bloodrick. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Andrew, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, could you please start us off with a, a quick bio about yourself and then uh, give us an elevator pitch for this book? Okay. Um, uh, born in northern Michigan, raised there in the, kind of the sticks of uh, northern Michigan. Um, went to the Kubert School after high school. Um, completed the full three-year program there. Shortly after I graduated from the Kubert School, I got a job uh, at a design company and I've been working, uh, kind of doing freelance illustration for them and any other client that would uh, have me for the past 15 years about. Um, yeah, and doing comic work whenever I could get it, whenever it was available and working on my own stories whenever I could uh, and that kind of thing. And Bloodrick is, uh, it's about a, a starving, hulking brute of a guy who because he's starving and desperate, makes bad decisions, and those decisions lead him into some bad situations, and he reacts to them violently and stupidly, um, and that leads to more bad places. So, uh, yeah, that's about the, the the long and short of it, I guess. Uh, and yeah, how he learns to learns to uh, deal with those situations or doesn't learn to deal with them is kind of what shapes his arc, if there is one. <clears throat> yeah and uh one thing that's important is that like you know uh about like that that whole thing is that like you're writing and drawing this whole this whole book so i'm i'm interested sort of like what did it originate as was it a story idea first or was it like a character sketch that started into like you know a comic uh it was a character sketch that's usually i mean i'm an artist first and, and definitely a writer second i think any of my stuff reflects that I usually end up writing for whatever I want to draw. Um, and I'm not the strongest writer, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely born out of character sketch. You know, I like to draw just, you know, big rip dude with the sword, like a lot of guys do. Uh, I think when I came up with them as a character, I was really getting into, you know, like uh, Viking metal and stuff like that. So that was a huge influence on it and just wanting to draw that kind of thing. And, epic landscapes and desperate situations and uh yeah violence i guess i don't know it's all kind of uh influenced by by some of that stuff definitely can see that and feel it i was actually going to ask about like the viking metal feel because the book has that metal feel to it now i really love that because it's like today i reread the first ash can and then read what you sent us for the second one and I was like, oh, this is so nice after a long day of work. Like, this is like <laughs> the most relaxing metal thing I've ever read. Like, it's so great. Um, uh, but it's it's very, uh, like, it feels like the comic, you'll have to, you'll have to tell me how you, how you made it because it, it feels almost like you just sort of started drawing, you know, like, you know, and then like the story started coming out of that. Uh, how did, how does it work for you? Like writing, drawing process with this book? Um. This is, this is the longest thing I've ever written and finished drawing. Like I've done like 12 page stories and, and a, you know, one page stories and, and, and smaller stuff. And this was definitely the longest thing. Um, and I never, 
I think one of the reasons I was able to complete it is I didn't write it as like a, I'm going to do three issues of a comic. I'm going to do a five issue. I, I didn't write it as anything specific in, in terms of length. Uh, I just, the, the writing part was a very loose kind of outline. Like I had dialogue and stuff in there, but it wasn't laid out in pages or chapters even, or part one, part two, it was just one big long, this happens, this happens, this happens. Um, and then I just started laying out kind of pages based on that. And again, since I wasn't locked into a page count or anything, which is very, it was kind of making it up as you go. This page is going to be this chunk of, of what I have written. And this page is going to be a lot more. And then, you know, I could kind of expand and contract the story just kind of on what I visually wanted to do with the, those parts of the story. So it was kind of, yeah, making it up as I just work my way through the, the story, laying it out and stuff like that. So I would think like a obvious comparison would be Conan, um, you know, and then in art style, but also sort of that wandering hero that like, you, you, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, like you can just sort of set him in motion and he can come about and, and encounter things, you know, fight them, escape from them and then and then move on. And then, you know, something else happens, which it's got to be also sort of freeing with sort of the, uh, the, the the storytelling as well, because it's sort of like, you know, set him in motion. He's walking. He's going to encounter things. He's going to fight those. He's either going to, you know, take on some damage. He's either going to, you know, win and, and, and move on. So really, that's also got to be sort of freeing in, in the storytelling as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think you see a lot of uh, a lot of writer artists or just their writers in, in general uh there's there's a lot of ca kind of characters that do that like uh conan's a good one usagi yojimbo you know grew there, there's lone wolf and cub like you can kind of take those characters and put them in different environments and yeah kind of whatever idea you have for a story you can kind of plop them into and it's i think it's perfect i mean it's a big hulking dude is not a a rare thing to find in comics it's kind of a you know fairly i don't know if they played out but you know it's it's a sort of a blank template that you can kind of put them into any sort of story where you know could be fighting a big monster could be running across the little kid to, with a sword that wants to emulate you know like you could put them in a lot of different situations and, and that's definitely it's a fun it's fun to sit and think about what else i could do with the character after this for sure and what I like about Bloodrick is that I like that you brought up Lone Wolf and Cub because one of the things I was really thinking about this time reading it is sort of, I've also been reading through Lone Wolf and Cub and Matt's probably tired of me bringing this up in every interview. Um, but the, uh, I've been, I've been reading through that first, those first chunk of those original comics and sort of, I can't think of the artist's name off the top of my head, but sort of there's a, a feel for the art in that book that's more about like the mark making than it is about like you know like the storytelling is there but like sort of the mark making in telling that story it's not typical to like you know your your marvel method in everything like that and i feel that way while i'm reading your book as well where it's sort of like there's this sort of more of this emphasis on motion with like the line making and the mark making and things like that and um, like how much, uh, like how, how conscious are you of that? Like, were you at least of that going into this about like sort of like the look of the comic and the feel of the comic and its marks? That, that was a big part of it. Uh, 
I didn't really have uh, in my head worked out ahead of time how exactly it would look. Uh, another big influence on this, I'm wanting to do this kind of, of story is uh, like 90s extreme Stephen Platt. I've got his comics sitting on my drawing table right now. I look at them all the time. It's just stuff that always fired me up when I was younger and it's still, you know, I find it really entertaining. So I'm not saying I ever came close to that in this, but I really liked how that was just such a, a distinct look and it was very specific and it, it always seemed to be pushing for, I can't use the word extreme, but pushing for doing the most you could uh, with whatever the situation was that he was drawn, um, how he did it. Uh, and so I was trying to do something that was a bit unique and different than, than stuff I'd drawn before. Um, and I just drew, I remember drawing the first page. It was, I didn't exactly know how I was going to do it, but I did a few pencil tests and then I sat down to draw one page and I figured, well, if I can get one page that I think looks decent, kind of how I want to do it with, you know, a lot of lines and rendering, but just doing it in pencil and, and stuff like that. If, if I get one page that works, then I kind of just hopefully get the ball rolling and it worked out okay. And it, uh, I'm happy with how it looks. And it, it, it was a very specific thing to use a lot of lines. And then to, you know, you got your negative space with the snow. I knew a chunk of it was going to take place in snowy areas, you know, where there wouldn't be a lot of stuff. So you'd have your, your negative space. And, and of course, there's a part in the wasteland where he's, it's fairly big and open and stuff like that. And so I just figured, you know, yeah, I was, I was trying to be fairly specific with how it looked. And I, yeah. it took a while to kind of work it up. But I got it to a place where I was happy with it. And yeah, I'm pretty pleased with how it all came out. Yeah, that uh, I'm glad you brought up the first page and I won't spoil what's on the first page, but that page, I remember like today rereading it. I was like, oh yeah, like this is what grabbed me at SPX was like this <laughs> first page because you have this like great panel lit, like all most of the pages don't really have conventional panels. Like some of them do have like, of course, boxes and things like that. But that first page is like no conventional panels. It's all like the forms blending into each other mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of that going on in the book. And, and specifically one page is when the bear attacks and you have that crazy splash page. And I just want to know specifically, like, how did that design come about? Like, I, I really want to know. <laughs> that, that was really fun to do. Um, one of the things I was trying to do in, in certain parts of the book is just convey like you know the feeling of something that's really hard to do i think it's just convey like the feeling of certain things um so there's one where he's lying in the snow and just you know looking at his hands and, and listening to what's around him and stuff like that and trying to convey that was was one of the things i wanted to do and, and in the bear attack scene uh you know being at the violent end of, of something like that would be hard to convey in, in a sort of visceral way uh, in comics um I luckily have never been attacked by a bear uh, <laughs> and I've, I've only been in one fairly mild car accident in my life. But I remember that when it happened, just like the main thing wasn't being scared. Any. It was just confusion and the disjointedness of being in that car, like the, what happened, what is happening feeling uh, going on. So I tried to kind of convey that with the, the bear attack phase where you're getting little hints of, of what's kind of happening and you're seeing little things of, the environment around them and stuff like that but it's it's just it doesn't completely come together as a picture but you get that it's something violent and it's yeah it's big and and it uh yeah makes an impact hopefully and, and that's kind of what i was trying to do with that
Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, it's, it's it was it was a brilliant moment. Like screenshotted it immediately, and was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I gotta. It's you know how like the Alan Moore sort of like magic of comics right there. Like that's what I was feeling <laughs> looking at that page. I was like, this is magic, and I need to know how he got this, like where this idea came from. So that yeah, thank you for explaining that. That's that's a huge huge compliment. So uh, cool. I'm glad. Like when I was doing it, like I you know it it, it does kind of look like a jumble of random stuff so i didn't know if 100 it would come across exactly what was happening but again i guess you see a giant bear run up to him and then you see that page and it i guess works a little bit so thank you i'm glad i'm glad that it uh hit you good that's good it did so you had mentioned that the the first page um was sort of a, a pencil test to just sort of figure out the 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 forms and and, and to get rolling are you inking this uh you know with a uh you know, a brush and on, on a board or? This was uh, completely done in pencil. Uh, I've got a real uh, sort of love-hate relationship with inking. I've, sometimes I love doing it and I feel like I'm decent at it. And other times it's just like a skill set I still don't think I'm all that great at. Um, and I didn't think I could do the, the you know, multiple or the, the, the large amount of lines and the rendering and stuff exactly how I want it in ink. Um, and I, I so I did it all in pencil and I kind of liked how I drew it in pencil. And then I was hoping it would look good once I scanned it into Photoshop. Cause that's a big thing too. You can draw something in pencil and if the scan doesn't look right or it doesn't darken up exactly how you think it will, um, you can lose a lot and it just can look bad. Uh, but once I had it scanned in, I could darken it up how I wanted to and go through and, and even darken up certain areas more and, uh, clean up other areas, like take rendering out of certain things and sort of bring some highlights into a few spots. It uh, came out okay, but no, it's, it's all, all just pencil and smudging and some dirty stuff. So yeah, it's a different way of doing things, but it's, it's the way I was comfortable with working. Interesting. Very, yeah. Very yeah. Cool. You could have, you could have fooled me cause I would have thought that you, <laughs> you sat down and, and inked this on a, on a board. So like I said, you, you fooled me. <laughs> yeah actually I was I was looking at it today and I'm glad you asked Matt because that was going to be one of my questions because I was looking at it today and I was like uh, I was like is this a dry brush or is this pencil so yeah I was like looking at it and I was wondering do you do it on like regular Bristol board or do you do something like a little more textured uh almost the exact opposite I draw it on the cheapest staples typing paper I just have 11 by 17 the cheap thin typing paper. it's you know, I, I'm like most people fell in love with drawing when I was pretty young. So most of my drawing was done on the back of worksheets in school and stuff like that. And, and for most of my work, I do the bulk of the figuring out the drawings on just typing paper. And it's what I'm most comfortable drawing on and what I'm most used to. So I kind of know what I can get out of it. So I knew I could get kind of what I wanted blood to look like out of typing paper. And, you know, I'm not... Uh, a guy that sells a lot of original art. So I really wasn't worried about what the stuff looked like on the board or anything like that. So I figured what the heck do it like that and worked out. Okay. That's, that's so frustrating to me as someone who likes your artwork and, <laughs> and uh, who likes collecting original art, as you can see behind me, <laughs> I was like, I was going to ask at some point, I'm like, where do you sell original art? But, um, but at the same time, that's really cool where it's like, I, uh, 
I really respect that. And, and you're actually, you, you're in good company here because we've had artists on here before who do that too. Like they just draw yeah. on whatever they can find. And it's, it's so cool to like hear everybody's different like mediums that they use and stuff and how they make it work. Um, yeah. And I was going to ask like, you, you draw this at full 11 by 17 size then. So that's, uh, are you thinking about the ash can size while you're drawing it? Like what will look good shrink, shrunk down? Yeah, I, I actually, I didn't, you know, most of the time when you're doing 11 by 17 piece of paper, you're drawing, it's what, like somewhere in between 10 by 15 and 11 by 17. So it's not quite the full thing. This is actually a fair amount smaller. I don't draw like, you know, the complete 11 by 17 sheets. It's, I forget what the exact measurements are. It's something like 12 by eight something or something like that. So it's, it's a fair amount smaller because I knew I did want to make an ash can out of it. I don't know why I was so obsessed with that idea, but that was the early nineties. Ash cans were a big thing for a while. And I just always kind of, A, wanted to own one and then wanted to make one. I thought it'd be fun. And I knew if I was going to take this to conventions and, and sell it, I, that'd probably be the cheapest, easiest way to do it for me. Uh, so yeah, I was kind of thinking of the slightly smaller size. It, it looks okay, regular comic size too, but I knew it had to work at least that small size too. And do you print them yourself, the ash cans, or do you have a printer that you send them to? Um, that was that was a, a tough thing to figure out. Uh, I use, I don't know if you guys follow uh, Cartoons Kayfabe at all or anything like that, but uh, Jim Rugg did a really good YouTube video on how he puts together his sketchbooks and his zines and stuff like that and he mentioned a company in there called best value copy and it's it's a really the most important thing is a really cheap way to get decent looking prints and so that's where i get all my interiors i send those off and get the the bulk of the book is, is printed that way where you just upload a pdf and they send you the the, the pages back and they're like i said they, they look good not as good as more expensive ones but they they everything's readable and nothing's muddy and there's no huge ton of, of lines or streaks or anything like that. And that was the big thing I uh, wanted to get out of that. But the covers I do all myself at a UPS store near me. I had to sort of copy shop where I went to like, you know, every, every Staples around me, every FedEx Kinko's around me, just trying out the different machines and finding one that I liked because it's on like the, the thicker card stock and I wanted the exact shade that I wanted, which was that red for the first one. And there's the orange for the second one. And then I want a nice flat black and I want to no streaks and I want it to look really nice. And I want it to be fairly cheap. And so to find uh, exactly where to get it done was a bit of a headache, but I got a good place now. And yeah, so I do the covers myself and then I send out the interiors and then I put it all together myself and trim it and stuff just in my apartment. So, man, that's awesome, man. That's like living the uh, underground comic stream. It it's sounds like. Yeah. It's, very, it's very fun. I'm sure there's probably an easier way to do it or something like that, but it's fun to, you know, get a stack of copies and, and just a six pack of beer and spend a bunch of time putting together books. It's, you know, get kind of an assembly line uh, mind about it. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. So is it That's a awesome. fold? Is it a fold and uh, do you, are you folding and, and stapling the, the, the cover? Yeah, it's a, kind of an involved problem yeah i fold all the covers and getting them folded just right is, is a hard thing um and i fold the interior separately and then put them together and i've got like a binding stapler uh yeah i got, I got a system down it works out okay 
Man, that's awesome. Do you, uh, sorry, now I'm backtracking a little bit here, but uh, mm-hmm. are you hand lettering your books too, or, or do you do that in Photoshop? Uh, it's, it's, it's digital lettering. Uh, okay. My hand lettering is okay. I, I'm not fast enough or good enough to, I think, do a whole book. Um, like for Bloodrick, the, the word balloons, it's kind of a process. I, I laid out all the text in Illustrator and then I kind of did a rough assembly of what the where the lettering would go in Photoshop on the pages. And then I printed out in blue line those pages with the lettering and the art together. And then I drew in the word balloons by hand. So the word balloons kind of look hand-drawn. The text is all digital, but there's some of the text in the balloons that I hand drew. Like there's the one panel where he's screaming at the bear and he's calling him an infested mongrel and all this stuff. And, and it's kind of, you know, a bit more violent uh language and stuff like that so I, I hand lettered some of that stuff and mixed it with digital and it's all it's all put together in photoshop and it's ends up being a little bit of hodgepodge but it hopefully all looks right together oh yeah oh yeah like i, I was like that's that's why i asked because i was like is it hand lettering or is it is it <laughs> is it photoshop um and the uh and, and then the the title like the bloodrick sort of logo that's all done by hand by you then i'm guessing yeah. Yeah. I do that. That's actually, I do that a long time ago. That was one of the first things I ever worked out about the character is what his logo would be. A writer I am. Yeah. I, I wanted that to kind of look like a, you know, if you've ever seen like black metal band le- logos that are borderline unreadable, that's kind of what <laughs> I was going for. That's why it says, you know, on the front of the thing, it's blood Rick. And then underneath the parentheses, what a blood Rick and in typed out text, you can actually read it. So it's kind of a different look to it. That's great. That's really great. <laughs> so was the decision to sort of have him in this this wintry forest, uh, was that just sort of the Viking motif or was that something that you're like, uh, for a design motif, you're like, this is going to be, you know, a black and white book with a lot of negative space so I can represent a lot of this, this snow and this cold by, you know, having these, these areas of, of white. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if it's the first time I drew something or drew a character kind of like him or something he was in snow I mean you watch a lot of those Viking metal videos and they're all in snow mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of guys from Norway and Finland and stuff like that so it makes sense but uh, but it was kind of a, de- a design thing and it's, it's also a, a story point you know it's uh, you know forest in the winter is kind of dead looking everything's gray it's harder to find you know animals around you know some are high rank and stuff like that so it's kind of also more of a a desperate feel to it you know mm-hmm. if you're starving and it's warm out that's one thing if you're starving and you're freezing to death i feel like it's more desperate almost so i guess that was also kind of the reason for doing it and <clears throat> you know not wanting to draw bloodrick's feet sticking with the uh <laughs> extreme comics influence <laughs> is a good way to go so i don't know it's many reasons as to why yeah i i get it i get it completely (laughs) it was it was it's a good choice and um one of the things that like you you do the the hunger in the dot in the in the narration box like you describe that very well like viscerally and then you sort of use good ways of doing like the lettering and stuff like that and then in the um one thing that stuck out about the second part is that you start sort of describing his state of like being in the cold and things like that. And I'm wondering what's your, 
what's your philosophy with like writing like you know of like the showing and not telling and like what do you tell and what do you show I, I don't know if that's sort of a vague question but that was something I was thinking about today because I was like he's kind of writing things that you really can't show but I'm always wondering like how do you differentiate the two because this book is very experimental in, in a lot of ways yeah it's a uh... I was kind of trying to be conscious of that. And I think that was my only rule is the show don't tell. So if, I think I, I probably overlapped a few times, but uh, yeah, there's a few things that just would have been tough to show, you know, like the cracking of the skin from the cold wind and stuff like that. That You can draw that, but you have to get really specific and stuff like that. So it's easier just to throw in the dialogue or the narration about it and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not a book that is very dialogue heavy up until like the end, there's, there's some back and forth, but uh you know, so I try to fill in some of the details of sort of what's going on. Um, and I don't, again, I'm not a super strong writer. So I wasn't trying to get too flowery with what I was saying and stuff like that. But I tried to give just enough information uh, in the dialogue or in the, in the narration and stuff like that. So it was, it was a tough balance. To find. I, I'm pretty happy with how it uh, came out. But yeah, it, it was something I was, I was conscious of. But again, it's, it's tough. And, and comics is kind of a, a, you know, a weird one because there's there's a lot of different things you can do in comics that you can't do in other mediums. You know, like there's captions and thought balloons and there's a, a bunch of different ways to do things, to communicate ideas. Um, you know, you can do thought balloons that are filled with pictures and then so you're showing, but also it's a thought balloon. So you're kind of telling, it's, it's you know, it's sort of a gray area as far as communicating things. I feel like as, as long as you give enough to get the idea across one way or the other, it's okay. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I was interested about what your philosophy was on that, and uh, yeah, that's that's a really good that's a really good tip because, like, yeah, like you said, that there are some things that are so specific that it kind of gets abstract in explaining it. Like you said, the skin cracking and things like that. So that's a good that's a good guideline, I think. Um, and then also, I guess for you, it's like what do I not want to draw? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That's because it is like trying to convey an idea. Like I, like I say, is, is all you're trying to do. And my first thought is to how am I going to draw this? And you're absolutely right. Like, I don't know. Like I thought the, I thought him is a part in the second, second chapter where he's climbing a mountain. And I thought that was going to be like a big, long thing. But then I'm like, I'm just going to draw this dude climbing a mountain. Like it's an arduous thing. And so I wanted it to be part of the the tough stuff he was going through, but I didn't want to just draw, you know, you can't draw a guy getting physically tired over a long period of time because it would take a whole bunch of pages and it's boring. So I guess that was when I, yeah, chose to jump in and cover it in captions and stuff like that. But yeah, I could occasionally be lazy with what I want to draw for sure. <laughs> well, it's also like, it's something that, you know, uh i'm not gonna well no i'll say his name um liam sharp did a batman and wonder woman book uh maybe three years ago and i love liam sharp he's really great you know like he is like he's kind of like yeah you know he you and him have sort of like similar styles and like how hyper detailed all his stuff is and things like that and he's very much like out of that like 90s school of like more is more that kind of thing and but he had so many sequences in that book of Wonder Woman and Batman walking through things and explaining stuff. 
And I had to be like, I'm like, dude, you're writing this book. You don't have to draw all this stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Batman can be punching people as much as you want him to be in this moment, you know, like, uh, yeah. and there was just a whole issue of just them walking and talking about things. And I'm like, you could be showing all this stuff. Um, yeah. It can, be, it can be a tough thing to find a balance with, you know, I, I, I hate a ton of talking period in comics. Like I, I, if I'm flipping through a book and there's just a ton of, I can tell conversation scenes, that's a deterrent for me. Maybe that shows how much of a, intellectual land um but there's, there's sort of a rule when you're drawing a page just in black and white you want to have like it's like the 30 30 30 rule when have 30 percent white 30 percent gray and 30 percent black on the page just have like a balance a nice amount of each thing to kind of give like a balance to the page and i feel like there's kind of that a similar thing with you know how much talking and how much action and how much whatever else you can fit in there uh in common in the, in the in the entire issue you know you kind of want a balance of a bunch of different things um so it doesn't get too dragged down in any one type of thing you can't it's tough to do a full issue of a fight scene and it's i think it's tough to do a full issue of talking keep them both interesting and so yeah i think it's good to mix it up and it's also got to be kind of good for the pacing because it's sort of like attack recover walk problem solve walk you know so it's sort of like we have a moment to you know certainly certainly after the bear attack there's you know and you know a lot of action and then we sort of slow down for a lot which is fairly common in in a comic book is that you know have an action slow it down for a little bit so you're doing that as well here um so that probably goes along with your sort of you know, you're applying like the 30, 30, 30 rule to sort of almost like the writing and the pacing as well, it seems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and trying to, because it's, and it's just easier to have impact with both things. You know, impact with a quiet moment is easier if you've just come off of a loud moment and impact with the big violent sequence is a lot easier after, you know, kind of sort of a lull. You kind of want to, Yeah. Variety is a spice of life kind of deal. You want to mix things up a little bit. So also, with, it's, it's good to draw different things too. Sure. <laughs> Off of a fight scene and draw a talking scene and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I guess one thing I would ask you is, uh, are there ever any sort of like happy accidents because you have so much freedom here? Are you sort of, are you maybe, are you, you know, thinking that like, I, I'm looking at like him going into the, to the town in part two and like, you know, there's two skeleton warriors that are dressed sort of, you know, differently. Do you sort of have like happy accidents where you're sitting there and you're sketching and you go, okay, this guy's, this guy's got like a, almost like a Cyclops visor on and the other guy looks more like a regular knight. Do you sort of have just sort of like happy discoveries that like, as you're sketching, you're like, okay, he's going to look like this. And the other guy's going to kind of look like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh... I think part of that comes from trying to keep yourself entertained while you're drawing. Okay. You know, you could have both guys look the same or you could have, you know, I'm always, always torn as to how much to reference certain things because referencing things is good because they're, they're accurate to life. And uh, by the same token, I think they, they can be kind of boring. Um, so yeah, a lot of that, that fun discovery comes out of sitting down and working on a page for hours and trying to keep it interesting for yourself. Um, because if it i always kind of go by the philosophy where if it's boring to draw it's probably gonna be boring to read so if i can keep myself entertained with something while i'm drawing it's a, it's a good science so yeah you, you, 
find a lot of that stuff and it it is definitely easier when when you've written the thing yourself and no one's telling you how to make anything look and no one's going to question it for the most part uh, until it's done um and it's even easier when it's set into kind of like a fantasy world like bloodrick where there's no not really any rules so it's uh yeah a lot, a lot of fun figuring stuff out on um, on this book one thing I just realized though about this book and you being the artist and writer is that you wrote in a lot of like, you know, people say like one of the hardest things to draw, of course, like feet, but also horses. And you have to draw a lot of deer, which aren't that far <laughs> off in this book. And then not only deer, but then you like strip them down to their like bone anatomy. And it's not like easy. It's not like side views. Like you have like above, like, like low angle views of them and stuff like that. So it's sort of interesting that like your fun is like <laughs> the hardest things in the world to draw. <laughs> and, um, so like, what, what, I guess that's another sequence. I guess I want to get specific about like, so why was that just something to challenge yourself with? Like, yeah, I'm going to draw a stampede of deer in this sequence and it's going to be hard as hell to draw, but I don't care. You know, it, I forget when I came up with that idea. I'm just, yeah. Having a, a stampede of a, a bunch of deer. Um, but I liked the idea so much that I didn't really think about it until I sat down to draw it, how much of a pain it would be. Yeah. I put, there's a lot of stories and ideas I come up with where I put deer in them. I think it's cause I grew up in Northern Michigan and there's deer everywhere. You can't drive without hitting them. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, as soon as I had that idea of, of him kind of being surrounded by, you know, cause he's starving. And if you're a hunter, deer is one of the main things you look for is him being surrounded by as much as many deer as he could possibly imagine and then just having that just fall away and turn to nothing in front of him and how how soul crushing that would kind of be uh again it's a sort of hallucination so he's kind of losing his mind but but i just i love that idea so much i'm like oh, i gotta there's no way to do it other than draw it i thought about making it more pages but it's, it's kind of like a, a like three pages kind of all together mm -hmm. um and I probably could have made it longer if I wanted to make it harder on myself, but it was still plenty, plenty tough to draw. I learned more about deer anatomy and bone structure than I ever wanted to. But uh, yeah, that was, that was, sometimes you have an idea that you love so much. You can't, uh, can't be lazy about it. I guess. I don't know. That's great. Yeah. Just, I was very impressed by that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's, that's, you know, the few people I've talked to that have read the, the book, that sequence kind of, I guess, jumps out. So I'm glad uh, I put the time into it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think um, the time that you put into it makes the theme, like, you know, what the character's going through so much more painful, you know, it's a, it definitely adds to the effect of the starvation. Um, the time that you took to establish that and the time you took to take it away is, makes the comic have a bigger impact most definitely yeah Ooh, thank you yeah and, and um yeah i'm trying to think like uh uh i want to sort of maybe switch uh, unless matt do you have any more questions about, about bloodrick i was going to ask you about maybe some of your other work um that you've done too no i'm 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 all set if we want to transition yeah um so like i guess like so like you know I'll get it out of the way first, but like another book that I like that, you know, I got from you at SPX was your shark book. And um, 
that one, I, I like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that one you did, like some of the pages that you did actually like ink, like pencil and ink and color yourself, right? Yeah. Yep. I don't know how much color is inside that one, but there's, there's like gray tones on some of the, some of the stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of that stuff is, I think, traditionally inked. Yeah. And was that like a, like an inktober kind of thing? Is that where it started out as, and then it just sort of like evolved into something else, but how did, where did that, how did that come about? As far as it like just being sharks or. Yeah. Just being sharks. Yeah. <clears throat> I, that I've drawn sharks. Like the first thing I ever got obsessed with drawing when I was a little kid was sharks <laughs> and right I've on. just never shaken it. I've got shark toys sitting by my desk. I've got <laughs> Jaws stuff all around me. I just, that's just kind of, you know, kids get obsessed with drawing something, and I got obsessed with drawing sharks. And I'm 40 years old, and I'm still doing it. So that's just kind awesome. of, you know, it's, it's something I can always go back to, and it's still fun to kind of figure out. I'm still, I can, I can still draw a terrible shark if I'm not really paying attention. So it's, it's still fun to do. But uh, no, I just always, I mean, I got over the years, I've just, you know, kept drawing sharks, and so I had to do something with them, and so. Uh, that's kind of where the idea of, of shark book came from. So I, have, I just, you know, collected tons of shark drawings. So, that's and people, re people respond to them, you know, like it's, it's something you put on your table at a convention and there's grown men like myself who go, Ooh, sharks. And they get excited and there's little kids going, Hey, sharks. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a good thing to connect with people about it. I guess. I don't know. And it's fun. Yeah, it was definitely a book that I usually go to SPX with my brother and uh, we, we came by your table and we both were like, well, we're definitely getting the shark book. Like that's <laughs> the things like, yeah, both he and I were that. Yeah, like you said, guys like around your age, you know, which my brother is like, he's like, you're like both of us were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're huge Jaws <laughs> fans and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, we could tell this is someone who's shares that love. And um, with, with the title Shark, I was, I was trying to convey like just how little nuance or, or thought was put into it because it's literally just shark stuff that i have but then you have things like uh like a mustang jumping a shark and stuff like that or attacking <laughs> a shark and things like that and uh your uh your your short comic in there where like the boat like you have some really cool boat shots with the water and things like that and um i guess like with drawing snow and drawing water uh you kind of have something that like with water, you can have like a lot of motion conveyed and things like that. So that has to be fun to play with when you're doing action shots with, with sharks and vehicles and things. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's, <clears throat> that's something I'm always trying to figure out too in any drawing where, where there's movement involved is any sort of little element you can add to it to kind of convey that motion. Cause it's, it is hard to do in comics, you know, cause it, it is a 2D image on a flat piece of paper um and it can things can get really dead and static easily and and so the more kind of uh debris you have in any picture you're doing that can you know be flying behind somebody or kicked up dust or anything i always try to you know i always add that stuff in and it's kind of it's sort of cheap tricks but pretty much everything in comics is kind of in a way i think i think it's a, a medium of, of cheap tricks and flashy stuff to kind of grab attention and stuff like that so yeah that water's a good one snow's a good one sweat coming off somebody that just got punched spit coming out of the mouth uh there's a bunch of different little things you can do to yeah convey motion and stuff like that but yeah it's a good one 
So you had mentioned in your sort of your bio that you do a lot of uh, work in sort of, you know, marketing and, and, and artwork that way. So you're, you're taking direction from from other people to, to produce art. Have you done any artwork where somebody else has written the, the script for you and, and then you, you've drawn it? Uh, I actually just finished up um, an arc on the book Tartarus for Image Comics written by uh, Johnny Christmas. Um, he and Jack Cole created the book. And then Jack was going to take a break after issue five. And so I was hired to do the second, second arc of that. Um, trade paperback actually comes out tomorrow. Um, so yeah, that was a, a, the latest, uh, I guess, work for hire stuff I did. I've done a few other things over the years. I did an online comic called uh, The Outrunners, written by Jonathan Gillette. Um, yeah, I've done a few, you know, a few things here and there. Worked on some pitches with people. And things like that, uh, where other people are writing, which is a completely different kind of uh, experience. Um, yeah, so I've done a few few things. So for when when you do that, is it? Uh, do you find it liberating, or do you find it challenging to either sort of know what you have to do or have that direction, and you're just sort of trying to, um, you know, meet that as best you can and so you're like you know you're able to sort of a little bit maybe turn you know one half of that sort of creative mind off and just focus on that so do you find that uh limiting or do you find that it's just sort of at, you know at certain points just sort of uh like a palate cleanser of you know when you're doing these blood rick pages where you're sitting down with a pencil and you're like okay i gotta i gotta you know take it from here to to there you know, with, with all of this, but with, with that, you're, you're given more direction. So how do you feel about that? It's, that's a great question. Cause you, you get moments of both, you know, there's moments where you're like, you're just, it's nice to be able to start fresh and know exactly what you're going to draw page to page. You know, when you get that script in and it says it's this many panels and this is what happens in each panel. And then it's just my job to kind of do the math and figure out how that works. Um, but then you're also locked into somebody else's idea. And so you're drawing whatever they write in the script. You can't go, you know, I want to change it and cover that in a, in a caption. I got to draw uh, everything. So it's, you kind of get both, both ends of the spectrum. Uh, I find it, you know, it's, it's, I find it challenging to work from somebody else's script. I don't think I'm the best at it. I always worry about trying to convey exactly what they wrote and what they put on the page and the idea that they have and I feel like I either ask too many questions or not enough questions uh of the writer to kind of get exactly what they want but it, it's it's a really it's a really good challenge and it, it's a lot of fun to yeah try to take somebody else's idea and, and then also take their idea and kind of put whatever you can into it sort of make you know make it look like something I would draw even though it's an idea I didn't come up with, it's, it's, it's challenging. So but sort it's of almost related to that. If you, so you said that you kind of came in on the second arc of the, of the book. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So you want to sort of have it be in your style, but you also kind of want to, I guess, I don't know if the proper term is to say like stay on model with the characters. So were you going back and looking and, and going, okay, I have to kind of make it look like that character, but I kind of, I kind of also want it to look like I'm the person drawing that character. So how do you handle sort of 
staying on model, but also making it, you know, a representation of the way you want to, to, sh to show this person. That's a tough thing to pull off. And, and you do want to, <clears throat> you don't want to lose readers or, or throw people off and confuse them by changing up too much how the book uh, looks. And Tartarus was uh, created by Johnny Christmas and Jack Cole and Jack Cole is the artist. And he has a really distinctive style. And I think it's fairly different from what I do. And so that was kind of hard to, I guess, take the world that he designed and kind of do it in my way. And it's, it's, again, that's one of those problems. It's fun to figure out, but it can be tough. And you, I, a lot of it is just, you know, body types of the characters and you don't, luckily with Tartarus, the, the characters were designed really well and distinctively. It'd be very hard if, uh, you know, what made the characters unique in the book just came from the artist style. But luckily, Jack designed characters that had, you know, great visual cues that uh, I could pick up on and, you know, kind of make them my own. It's, you know, little things like how you draw certain aspects of the costume and stuff like that. You can change that. You can vary that up. But as long as the bulk of like I say, the strong design sticks through. Uh, it's not too, hopefully not too disorienting for the reader. I guess, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's a lot. Like, I can't imagine that, you know, trying to unpack that mentally while you're, when you're going into it. It's, it can be intimidating because like I say, you don't want to lose the reader. Like people, it, the book had a good reception when it first came out, the first issue and everything like that. People really like, Jack Cole's art and I like Jack Cole's art. And I think it looks, you know, it's great. And it's got a great style. And I knew as soon as I jumped on the book, it was going to be visually jarring for some people. I knew it was going to look different, which kind of have to do that because, you know, there's, we all know artists that ape other people's styles and you don't want to do that. You're not doing yourself a service and you're not going to do it as good as the other guy can do it. I can't draw Jack Cole stuff as good as he does. So you kind of got it take it in your own way mm -hmm. and like i say you just got to hope that there's enough that you can pick up on and sort of carry through into your style um and like i say the designs were strong and and another nice thing is that the second arc kind of takes place in a different environment than the first one does and so i couldn't really draw everything exactly like he does because like the first arc took place in cities and there's big architecture and stuff like that and then my first issue starts off in a desert so there's like nothing around. So it's, it's sort of, you know, it's going to be visually jarring one way or the other, but you just try to, yeah, make the characters look like the characters. And like with anything you draw, I just try to make it look cool. So. Yeah. I think that's, you know, one of the cool things about comics is that like sometimes when you change locations and you change the, the art team, like it's, it's also like a symbol that like, uh, to our signal to the readers like okay this is different this is this is somewhere different um, you know I'm thinking maybe like if I you know uh, if I read an Avengers book and like Stuart Emmerman is is doing it and it's like it's nice and clean but then like they go on another mission and like Matteo Scalero is like drawing it and it's it's you know that's Hawkeye that's Hawkeye but it's different because they're doing something different and they're somewhere else and it's darker here. It's, you know, they're so like that you could also sort of play with that, like by changing the, the art team 
when the story changes or when the location changes. So that also sort of helps with the transition and the change. Absolutely. And, and I think I wish more books would do that. I don't know about you guys, but when a storyline is continuing and they switch artists mid storyline, it always throws me off and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's even better if the story is kind of tailored to whatever artist is working on it, you know, because yeah. every artist has strengths and weaknesses and, uh, yeah, so if you can kind of tailor it to the artists and, and stuff like that, I think it's even better. But uh, yeah, I agree. That's really cool. And and are you like, when you, uh, are you like with, with, with this book, with, with Tartarus, are you working through an editor or are you communicating directly with the with the writer, like when you send art back? Um, working with both uh, writer and editor. Uh, it's through image, which is I think kind of a different system than, a lot of places because it's all you know creator owned and creator driven um so i would send artwork to uh johnny and our editor uh stephanie um but most of the notes would come from johnny because he is kind of you know, like i say it's it's images creator driven and that's kind of the the system they set up so mo most of the notes when i would get notes would come from from johnny that's cool. Cause I was wondering about that, like, especially coming off of like Jack Cole's work and stuff like that. Like, I guess Johnny would sort of be act as sort of like the director in that way. Like if he, you know, like if you're, if you're not drawing something the way he wants you to draw, like he'll let you know. So that also has to be comforting when like, you know, you're, if you ever have thoughts of comparing yourself to Jack's work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps cause Johnny is also an artist an illustrator like he's he's illustrated most of the stuff he's he's written um and he's working on drawing stuff now so he, he has that kind of visual feel for things so he knows what's what and what's working and hey this isn't clear and stuff like that so that i felt i felt like i was in good hands it's a nice it was a fantastic process and was that sort of a here are thumbnails here are sort of uh more defined pencils and here it is sort of uh, were you were you inking inking this yeah, so I guess maybe he was seeing it at, at you know three different stages so if something major was off he could catch it hopefully early on in sort of like the the thumbnail stage right yeah yeah that's that's ideally how it's done I always like to any project I'm working on comics or any freelance illustration job you try to show the clients or in this case, Johnny, the writer, you try to show him something as early as possible. As soon as it becomes like a formed thing that you think will make sense to another person, you send it to him. And you go, this is where I'm at right now. And this is kind of the idea I'm going to pursue before I waste any more time on it. Let me know uh, right now, you know, because you don't want to, you'd hate to get into the tight pencils or inks on something and have them go like, well, that's completely wrong. And you got to change that. And you, you, know, you, just, you don't want to waste any time, especially on like a monthly comic. It sure. invites you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, like uh, it's uh, it's so great to have you on and stuff like that. And I'm like, I like, I I hope we get to have you back so we can talk more about your 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 other work and things like that because it seems like we're just scratching the surface of like your other work and things. Not that it's it's awesome that we spent so much time on Bloodrick, but it's like it's really cool to hear all your different sort of approaches with all your different work. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. This is a blast. I don't uh. You know, I spent a lot of time sitting at my drawing table not talking to people. So the fact that we can talk about this kind of thing is a blast. I do this anytime. Yeah. Cool. Appreciate it. So 
Noah brought up that, you know, obviously a lot of this interview was focused on, on Bloodrick. So, so what are the plans for, for Bloodrick? Um, you know, obviously Noah was able to pick up that, that first ash can um, a couple of years ago. It seems like number two is in the work. So, so what are your plans here with, with this property? Um, right now, the most concrete plans are I've got a huge stack of, of second, uh, the second chapter, second chapter ash cans printed up and ready to go. Uh, those will be live in my store tomorrow morning, probably. Um, that's the immediate plans. Uh, I'm going to pitch it a few different places, um, putting that, uh, those documents together now, which is a whole process that, uh, I'm not the best at, but I, I'm working my way through it. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, pitch it and try to get it printed, um, wherever I can. Um, yeah. And then that's about, about it, I guess. So uh, is your store, do you, do you have a, like a webpage with, with your own name or do you have like an Etsy store? What's, what's the, the, the webpage in the store for, for folks to go to? Uh, my website is uh, chumline.com. It's a lot easier to spell than my last name, I hope. Uh, and there I have, uh, you know, preview pages for Bloodrick and a link to my store where you can pick up both parts of the ash can. You can pick up, I think I have a few copies of Shark Book left up there I've got, uh, and a wrestling sketchbook just different wrestlers that are drawing stuff like that so. nice well we'll put a link to uh to the website uh in the show notes to make it as easy as possible for folks to just sort of scroll down and click on that and i'm guessing oh. the the name of that website is is shark love again right yeah it's a uh, yeah favorite quote from jaws is keep that chum line going <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just a philosophy in the back of my head to keep drawing keep working on stuff keep putting stuff out and yeah, so that's that's the basis of that. And my about, favorite line is, uh, "Why don't you come down here and chum some of this shit?" That's because that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's my favorite moment in the whole movie. It gets me every time I watch it. So, uh, what about like uh, like sketching and stuff like that? Where do you put most of that stuff up? Is that uh, Twitter, Instagram? Um, where, where where what do you do and what are you most active on? Probably Instagram is what I'm most active on, just because I mostly visual stuff I like mm -hmm. to post and migrate with words. So I stay off of Twitter, but yeah, Instagram, we've got both a, both a Twitter and Instagram account, but if you want to see the most recent stuff I'm working on Instagram is the way to, to go. Awesome. I forget what my name, Andrew Cronkey on Instagram, I think is yeah. exactly what the username is, but. We'll, we'll, we'll put that, we'll put the IG account in, in the show notes as, as well. So um, awesome. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, well, thanks for, for sharing this, this book with us. It was a lot of fun uh, to, to read it and just sort of, uh, you know, it could have very easily been a quick read, um, you know, uh, you know, a Viking barbarian dude going through the snow with not a lot, but it's just, a, you know, a lot of times you're just, you're just pouring over the artwork. So you, you kind of slow down and you kind of take everything in. So it could have been a very quick read, but it definitely is not because you sort of, are enthralled with with the art and you, you slow down and, and you sort of really look at things. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure Noah feels the same way. Definitely. Thank you very much. That's uh, incredibly nice of you to say. And I just appreciate you uh, checking it out and stuff like that. Awesome. awesome. Well, that's gonna that's gonna do it for, for the interview. Uh, for anybody listening, if they could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service they use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at Construct Compod. Uh, Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. 
Also, there's going to be a link to the Dino Thrashers Kickstarter that uh, Noah is drawing, and that's going to be going live in, the, in a matter of days, uh, May 1st, uh, 2021. So uh, if you can, please uh, check that out. But I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.